talk about living the dream. Because every single person in here has a dream. But we've been through a season lately that I believe, and this is going into my message, and this is a weird message, because um, I'm only getting to minister one time here this month. Next week, our senior pastor is giving a prophetic word, then... um, Sister Lane's giving a prophetic word, then Jennifer's coming to give a prophetic word, then Pastor Donald's coming to give a prophetic word. And so this is the only... So going into this year, I felt like God gave me a prophetic word at Christmas. If you are not been with us, then the uh, message of Preacher Christmas was this. Worship changes the direction of everything. The wise men learned to adore Him. And the Bible says God divinely intervened and gave them another way to go. So coming out of last year, you need to know this, that any part of your life that is not going in the direction that you believe it should be going into should be the area of your life that you truly move into deep adoration and worship in. Because the law of worship, which Ms. Mallory will bring up here, this is not just a story of the wise men. This is actually the law of worship. In Ezekiel chapter 49 is by if you got a new King James Bible, it actually puts across the top in the bold part the law of worship. But this is the law of worship in Ezekiel forty six. I'm sorry, Ezekiel forty six. It says, "But when the people of the land come before the Lord at the appointed feast days, whoever enters by the way of the north gate to worship shall go out by the way of the south gate." This is the law of worship. In other words, when you come in one way, you worship. And worship changes the direction of which way you get up and go out. And so in your life, I'm going to tell you, in your life, if you'll bring worship, true adoration worship, into any situation in your life, it will change the direction of the way it's going. That is the law of worship. And this was the prophetic word the Lord gave me coming out of last year was this. If I'll learn to adore Him... He will change the direction of the way my life had been going in several other ways. Man, you need a direction change? Learn to adore. All right, but coming into this year, I feel like God gave me a specific word, and I'm going to give it to you real quick. may take it a few minutes to understand, but first of all, you've got to understand that every single person in here has a dream attached to their life. You have the ability to dream. We talked about daydreaming. Just for a minute, moving into pray dreaming, because you need to understand that you have the ability to dream. God gave you that ability because it's attached to your dream. There is a dream attached to your life that tells a predicted or projected future that God has for you. And you need to know this. Nobody's dream is for small things. God has a big dream attached to you. See, a lot of times we allow the enemy to connect to us and make us think that, yeah, Martin Luther King, he had an amazing dream. It changed the nation. Yeah, uh, Thomas Edison, light bulb changed the world. There's all these people that had these dreams, but you need to know something. God's no respecter of persons. There is a dream attached to every single person in here's life. And when I use the word dream... Because it's going to go along with what I believe I'm teaching today. But you can call it anything you want to. Another way to call it is destiny. Another way to call it is purpose. Another thing to call it is uh, fulfillment. God, God has all of these things that can be attached to your life. The truth is, though, most people don't ever live it. 
Most people, the reason why they don't ever live it is because they don't know what to do with it. As a matter of fact, in, this, in the Bible, the Bible says that Joseph, which is known as the dreamer, the Bible says that the Lord gave him a dream, and at first, he had no idea what to do with that thing, so that dream just kept causing him heartache and trouble. Because he did not know how to interpret or understand or what to do with this dream. But what I have seen over the last couple of years is an attack against the church like I've never seen in my whole life. I don't believe COVID was sent to destroy football, although it shut it down for a little while. But if you're an Arkansas fan, you watched the game yesterday and that stadium was packed of Arkansans going hundreds of miles to watch us win. Amen. So I know this COVID's result did not hurt football. Man, they're staying packed out. COVID's um, effects was not sent to destroy the movie industry, although it almost did. But if you any if you um, read any of this stuff, Spider Man was the first movie, the new Spider Man, which the youth are going to see tonight, was the first movie to hit the one billion dollar ticket sales mark since COVID began. They said the movie movie industry is back. And so it didn't destroy the entertainment world. And COVID didn't come to shut down or destroy nations because every one of the nations, you know, actually are bumping and going. But the only entity that hasn't bounced back from COVID has been the church. Churches are at its lowest attendance across America in history, according to population and all things. It's due to COVID. COVID was an attack. And then racial issues was an attack. And then government and politics were attacked. I mean, the enemy has been out to destroy the church over the last two years like I've never seen it before. And then there are people that have been in church for 20 years. Over the last two years, it's like they just have fallen out of church completely. It's amazing to me to attend church 20 years, get this close to the Lord returning and quit. And what a shame. But I know this. Those that he couldn't get quick getting to come or those that he couldn't get to disconnect or pull out. What he did to a lot of people in churches through the last two years was he sucked the life out of them through this season. It's almost like people have lost their dreams. Or give a, and it's not just in the church. It's kind of a, an attitude around the nation. We're sitting in real estate meetings, and you know that's what real estate brokers were saying. They can't get realtors. It's like everybody just kind of can't get back up and going again. They just don't got the ump they had before, and so they can't get them. It's like everybody's just been let the air out. The city of Los Angeles is called the city of lost dreams. It actually was called the city of dreams because people all over the world moved there with big dreams of becoming a star, becoming rich. Beverly Hills 90210 is the richest zip code in America. And people from all over the country sell everything they have, give up and move out there with big dreams of being a star and being. But it has the largest, the second largest homeless population in America. One of the largest crime rates in America. They call it the city of lost dreams 
Because kids, people, adults give up everything moving out there to pursue a dream. And they find out when they get there, it's a lot harder than they thought. And that's what I've watched the enemy do in churches over the last two years. People had these dreams of knowing God was going to use them and do great things for them and on their behalf. And then we've went through some hard things. And just like in Los Angeles, there's a place called Skid Row. And people that left homes and sold cars all moved to the Los Angeles and their dreams are lost. They moved to Skid Row and they're living in cardboard boxes and they're having to just deal with government handout and they're dealing and living in squalor. So they call it the city of lost dreams. But there's a secret, they say, to L.A. that the way to move into the city and have a dream fulfilled is to go there with the connection. To move knowing somebody already doing something there. And I want to tell you this, the enemy, I believe, has tried to make the church a place of lost dreams. But I'm here to tell you, we have a connection that he didn't count on. And in this season, going into 2002, I believe we will reclaim and recapture and restore every lost dream that the enemy has taken from us over the last two years. This will be a year of restoration and taking back all the lost dreams. I want to break it down real quick and try to make it a very simple word today. But you need to know this. Some of you have given up on dreams on your marriage. Some of you have given up on dreams on your finances. Some of you are like, man, you're just doing good to be saved. But let's jump into Philippians 3, chapter 12. And this will be my prophetic word. Not that I have already obtained all this. This is Paul talking now. He, of all the people in the church that has accomplished a lot, you would think he would be okay with that. He's done a lot, man. Plenty of churches all around the world at this point. So he said, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. Real quick, I like to bring this out. This scripture brings out a very strong principle here. A lot of times, the enemy likes to convince us that it's everything we can do to just keep holding on to God. But this scripture lets us know you're not the only one doing the holding. You're worried about your kids, you need to know something. They may have let go of God, but God ain't letting go of them. It says, I am, I may not have gotten where I need to go. And I may not have gotten to where God, why God took a hold of me, but God still has a hold of him. And you need to know this. That no matter what circumstance or situation you're in right now, you can trust that God's hand is on you. As a matter of fact, God is so proud of you. You've been at every church service this year. That's pretty amazing. (laughs) But... You need to understand this. He said, Paul said this. He said, I have not accomplished that thing that God took a hold of me to accomplish. That's big. Let me draw this out for you on this end. A lot of times the enemy tries to just convince us that 
Man, just getting saved is what it's about. But no, God saved you for a reason. And that's what Paul's saying here. There, He says, you know, I may not have accomplished what God saved me for, but I'm not giving up yet. The very fact that you're here going into 2022 lets me know that you're not giving up yet. You may have been through some things this year and you may not be where you thought God would have you and you might not be exactly what, you may not even be happy with the way you've been performing. But I'm here to tell you this, that it's not over yet. Read what he says. Uh, let, me, on, let me read this in the Passion Bible. It says, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness. In other words, he said, I haven't accomplished what God's called me to do. The fullness. My life is not what I think or I have dreamed that God wanted it to be. I don't know about you, but it's your life there. Man, I, I understand. I've got these dreams that I know God wants to do in my life, but it's like they haven't happened yet. And Paul's right there in this moment saying, you know what, I, I'm here. And as a matter of fact, where he's writing this scripture from, he's writing this scripture from prison. He says, I haven't done what I'm supposed to do yet, and my situations don't look good. But then check out in the paper, it says, what it says, it says, but I run with passion. See, some of us have given up on our dream, and it shows because there's no more passion in our walk. Paul said, walking's not, you know, I'm just walking with the Lord. I'm just walking by faith. No, 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 no. When you got a dream, you don't walk, you run. When I got married, Jennifer kept having to tell me in rehearsal, slow down when I was walking down the aisle. Because I was ready to go. I was ready. And so you may not see, you gotta understand, God if when you find somebody there, do you remember back when God started putting a dream in your life and you were so passionate about it, you could not wait to get to church and you could not wait to go and do and you could not wait to be a part. There was a passion in it. And what I've seen the enemy do over the last two years across the church is just kind of suck people's passion out. We've lost our passion. And so instead of running with passion, we're saved dealing with depression. And we're saved dealing with disappointment. And we're saved dealing with heartache and hurt and bitterness. But that's not what God's plan for our life is. There's a plan. Here, here it says this. I, it says, uh, but I run with passion in His abundance so that I may reach the purpose. He calls it a purpose right here in the Passion Bible. So He says, I've saved you for a purpose. And every one of us at one point upon our salvation, we knew there was a purpose attached to us. You felt that I could spend time with anybody in this room and talk to them. When they gave their heart over to the Lord, there was an awakening of a future, a destiny, an awakening of a purpose. They knew now what life was for. They say there's two great days, the day you were born and the day you realize what you were born for. And I saw, I could sit with everyone in here knowing they knew God has a purpose on their life. But the thing about it is what God... What the enemy has tried to do, a lot of us have lost our passion and our purpose. We're just doing. But this year is going to be over. This year that's going to change. He said this. He said, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. In other words, there's more to this thing than being saved. There's more to it than being saved. And I had not got there yet, but this is what he says. 
But one thing I do. So now he goes into telling me what needs to take place. And this is what it's going to take this year. This will be a year we're going to recapture. This is going to be a year you're going to reclaim. This is going to be, I'm calling it, living the dream. I don't know a better. I've been talking to a lot of people. How can I title this thing? But this is what's in my heart. It's what the Lord's speaking to me. We're going to take back. We're going to find what was lost. We're going to get back on purpose. And we're going to begin to run and live with passion again. But it's not going to be like in years in the past. There are times in our life, seasons in our life, that you could get through and get to simply by waiting on and being still. When God gives us promises, a lot of times we like to sit back and say, Oh, be still and know that He is God. God's going to do this thing for us. And there are seasons when that's okay to do. As a matter of fact, there's stories in the Bible says that take your position, do not fight, for the battle is mine, says the Lord. And there are seasons that you can go into that way. That's not this season. Going into the season this year, 2022, is not a year for you to wait and see and be still and know. This year, 2022, is a year for you to be a partaker and a co-laborer. Is how the Bible calls it. You're going to have to partner with what God is doing for God to reveal and do the dreams that He's put on the inside of you. It's going to take you getting up, getting out, and getting going. This is not a year to sit back and watch. If you sit back and watch this year, you will watch your dreams die. But if you will get up, get out, get going, co-labor, and be a partaker. As Paul said, I am a partaker in his divine nature. If you're a partaker this year, you will reclaim everything that you lost. Let me read it to you. By doing this, this one thing I do, so it's going to take doing. It says, forgetting what is behind. Alright? Now, a lot of times, we misinterpret this here, as in, where it says, forgetting what's behind, ignoring what you've been through. Pretending it didn't happen. Letting go of what we already have been through. No, let's just get past these last two years and move on. That's not what this says. It says this, one translation says this, letting go of what's behind. When you let go of something, it's being set free of. It's not just getting through and getting on. As a matter of fact, whatever you've been through is still in you. You don't know how many marriages I've walked with over the years that marriages have fallen apart. And they're walking into a new marriage and they never dealt with what they've been through. So they're walking into a new marriage with the same baggage they were had in the old marriage. And they're getting the same results of that marriage that they had in the one before. Because they got through what they were in their past, but they never let go. They were never set free. They were never delivered from. And it was never dealt with. This year, going into this year, we're going to have to deal with some things that have happened in the last two years. There's going to have to be some healing. There's going to have to be some releasing, some forgiving. There's going to have to be some acknowledging, owning, repenting. We're going to have to separate ourselves from that past. And nothing separates us like the blood of Jesus. It erases. It releases. It sets free. So going into this year, one of the major things you're going to have to understand is I'm going to have to put a lot of effort into getting set free from the things that I've been through. 
I'm going to have to be willing to deal with the issues that's taking place on the inside of me. Because they say it like this. In the book of Psalms, it says God's hand is an open hand and it is full of blessing. But God can hand his hand a blessing to me. But as long as I got a handful of past, I can't take what he's got in my future. And a lot of the church has lost their dreams because they're holding on to their past and their situations that they've been through. This year, if we want to live the dream, we're going to have to be free. That's why after Valentine's, our church is going to focus for several weeks on Kairos. We're going to focus on moving into freedom, letting go. Because the truth of the matter is, most of the things that we're holding on to, we didn't even do. It was done to us. So we're going to have to be released from this stuff. Because you're never going to move into your purpose that's ahead, holding on to what everything else that has happened to you in the past. So the word of the Lord this year is, if you're going to reclaim the dreams that you had, you're going to have to be willing to let go and be set free from the things that happened before. Then it says this. It says, and strain toward what is ahead. I'm going to reach out and go after the dream that I know God has for me. Now, let me tell you real quick how to dream. We talked about pray dreaming. It starts small. Everybody has a dream. But there are certain ways the Bible teaches us that we can actually get what I call the dream, what God's put you here for. And one of the main key components of getting the dream that God has for you, not just daydreaming. You start by daydreaming. You start small. Start seeing what it looks like. You sit down before the Lord and you pray dream. God, I'd like to do this for you. I'd like to do this for you. And all of a sudden you'll see that 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 dreaming ability grow. But that dream ability will only grow so far unless you're willing to prepare yourself to handle the dream. The Bible says Joseph, who we know is the dreamer in the Bible, had a dream of in a harvest field and his brothers all had socks and they bowed down to him. And we like to jump in right there that, man, God gave him a dream. I wish God would give me a dream like that. Let me tell you how he got his dream. He was daddy's favorite. Bible clearly says before he got his dream that Joseph was his daddy's favorite. And he was his favorite at such a point that his daddy gave him a coat that made him stand out above all the rest. And I want you to know something. You can dream all you want to in life, but you're never going to get the dream, the purpose, until you decide that living as daddy's favorite is worth it. What I mean by that is this. See, Joseph lived in a way that it pleased his father. That his brothers were not willing to live. His brothers were talking the way they wanted to talk and lying the way they wanted to lie. We know that because when Joseph was sold into slavery, the boys came in and lied to daddy like it was no big deal. That was just part of who they were. They were mean. They were hateful. They were cantankerous. But it never said that stuff about Joseph. Joseph was naive and ignorant at times, but he was not cantankerous, mean, hateful. He, the way I look at it is he walked in a way that was pleasing to his father, and his father wanted to recognize the way he walked, so he put a coat on him. And this is what the Bible says. Me and you have a coat as well. You're never going to fulfill or get the dream that God has for you unless you're willing to put on a coat of righteousness. Just going to be clear with you. Can't live the way you want to and fulfill the dream that God's called you to. There's a walk that you have to walk that deserves the dream that will change the world. 
And that's hard. Because, see, God loved, the daddy loved all the brothers. But I'm here to tell you, his favorite was the one that got the coat and put it on. If you'll put on a coat of righteousness this year, and you'll decide that just living any old which way and living like the other brothers, and it don't matter who does what in church. I mean, there are a lot of people in here that come to church that may just be one of Joseph's brothers. They're living the way they want to live, but they're not willing to put on the coat the daddy gave them and wear it with pride and be different and stand out because of the walk and the life that they live. They won't ever get your dream. But if you'll decide that the walk that pleases the Father is worth me walking because it gives me a coat of righteousness and it allows me to accomplish a dream that my Father will give me and purpose me to do, it's only a matter of time. Once God gives you the dream or the purpose, it's only a matter of time before it's fulfilled. It doesn't matter what mistakes you make on the way. Joseph made some. Remember, he got both from Bragville, told people. And then God had to give him a bigger dream because he was still walking upright before the Lord. That's one thing it says. Joseph never quit walking upright before the Lord through the entire thing. And, and if you're going to fulfill the dream this year, let me say it like this. Your private life is going to have to come into alignment with your public life. You're going to have to live the way people think you're living. I was in high school, and I was wild, I give you that, but I'd never tasted alcohol, never did a drug. Everybody in town thought I did. And that's why I decided if they're going to think I did and treat me that way, I'm going to let them. I mean, I gave them a lot of reasons to think it, but I never did. Same thing as works the opposite. Man, if you're going to try to make people think you're righteous, you need to live it. Make your private life line up with your public figure. Because those are the people that get the dream. When nobody knew Joseph was about to, could have slept with Potiphar's wife, he didn't. Why? Because his private life had to align with his public life. To be able to live the dream that God was going to launch him into to change everything. And so it takes the dream. You want the dream? You got to be willing to live it. And you got to live it righteously. Because God can't put you up on the position that he destined you to live on. That's what the Bible says. Nobody lights a candle, puts it on a stand, and then puts a bushel over it. God's purpose of your life is to be put on a stand. This year, He wants to put you there. But you've got to be willing to shine on that stand, not have the light covered. And so, this dream, though, is so an amazing dream, that first of all, you had to live a way to get it. But then when he got it, you need to understand, the next thing that happened, the devil came after it like ain't nobody's business. And the devil used family, and the devil used slave businessmen. And the day, You need to know this. The minute God gives you a dream, you've moved into a battlefield. And most people quit and give up and lay down and become the city of lost dreams when they have to fight because this is the way it works. The way it works is this. The minute God gives you a word, the devil is going to combat that word. It's actually seen in Matthew chapter 13 in the story of the... um, of sower and the seeds. The Bible said first the Lord came, or first the sower came and threw seed. And immediately the birds came and tried to take that. The minute God gives you a dream, the minute God gives you a word, it's only a matter of time until it comes out unless the bird steal it. 
And the Bible says Jesus broke down the devils with the birds. And a lot of us, we sit on the sideline and let the birds steal our seed and wonder why the dream never sprouted up and lived. But this is the truth. They're in that story. He said this. He said that some of the seed fall on, on um, weedy ground. And it said this. And it said that the seed is the word. The minute God gives you a word, it said trouble and uh, persecution came to and against the word. Weed sprung up to choke it out. This is a principle. The minute you understand and you start daydreaming and God gives you the purpose of your life, expect the enemy to come on you like never before. Because the, the, the word of God in your life has to have a battle plan attached to it as well. Jensen Franklin calls it like this. The minute God gives you a dream, the devil has a nightmare. And so the minute you start hearing from God, all of a sudden you can expect the devil to start trying to change that dream into a nightmare. The kids ain't never been so bad as they are the minute God tells you they're going to be saved. The kids ain't, your marriage ain't never got so hard. I mean, your finances ain't never got so bad when God started telling you you start sowing and giving. It's the enemy come because there's going to be a battle because of this. There are certain things that only can be possessed and lived if you can handle it. God... Gave, I know I'm, I'm going to be done in seven minutes. You okay? Right. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says God told Abraham. I mean, God told Joshua that everywhere the place their foot touched in the promised land was theirs. But they had to fight for every inch. This year will be a battle for every inch. But can't nothing stop you as long as the Lord is on your side. You will fight for this. And you will reclaim every lost dream. Because what you've got to understand, in that story of the sower, this is what was said. After Jesus got through, he says, if this, I give you the keys of the kingdom. If you can understand this, I give you the key. Do you know the key does? Key goes into a lock and opens a door that could not be opened unless the key went in. Your dream is the key to what's been holding you back in life. It's the key. What God has spoken to you, what He has put on the inside of you, and what you are dreaming about doing is the key that God moves into your life. Now, I've got to close it. We'll go with it. But you know how a key works? When you put a key in a door, it's got what they call tumblers in it. And that's why keys have grooves. So, as the key goes in deeper, as it goes in deeper, boom, certain tumblers drop in place. And that key keeps certain, th- certain tumblers from dropping in, allowing other tumblers to drop in. All right? Do you understand that concept? Like, click, 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 click. When it gets all the way in, all the tumblers are in the right place. I want to give you the tumblers to your dream right now. These must be in place. I'm telling you, I'm speaking it as clear as I've heard God speak to me about other things. This year, these tumblers must be in place. If you're going to accomplish and move and reclaim your passion, your fulfillment, and your dreams this year. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus talks about three things that were lost. We're talking about lost dreams and lost passion this year. If you want to get your umph, if Stella can get a groove back, I'm telling you, you can get your passion and your dream back. First thing Jesus said was in the story that there was lost sheep. Now, the way this sheep was lost, I don't know, I told the earlier service this, have you ever been lost in the woods? I've been lost in the woods one time. 
I was squirrel hunting one time with Brother McRae's son, and we were hunting down by the river. I'd never been in those woods before. And I had was where he went this way and I went this way. And we were walking around, and when you squirrel hunt, we're in the river bottoms of trees. The limbs don't even start till 30 feet high. So you're looking up like this. I was walking, walking probably 20, 25 minutes. So I was walking with my head up in the clouds looking for squirrels. And then I looked down, and when I looked down, I did not recognize anything I was seeing. And I don't know if you've ever, has anybody ever been in that situation? And all of a sudden, panic hits you. Man, I'm not a panic freak out guy. I mean, but I get mad, but I don't panic and freak out. But man, panic hit me, and it was the weirdest thing. I took off running as hard as I could run, as far back where I thought I went, until I ran out of breath. And I was like, <laughs> and I looked up and didn't recognize a single place I was, and stupid me, took off running a totally different direction, running, running, running. And this was happening in the course of about 20 minutes. I bet I ran in six different, and then knowledge hit me. It's like, man, I'm running around in circles just like you see on those TV shows. How stupid can I be? And you know, but it didn't change the fact that that was my response. All right? This sheep, the Bible says, was lost, meaning that he was a part of a flock. But somehow, and during the day or whatever it was he was in, he had his head in a direction, probably eating grass, moving in a direction, not paying attention to where others were. And he looked up one moment and realized, I'm not with the guys that I was with before. I'm a distance from it. And he began to panic because he did not know where he was. Did not know how to get back to where he was. This is what the Lord told me one of the tumblers this year would be. If you want to use the key of the kingdom, you have to stay connected to your flock. You're going to have to. You're not going to be able, your dreams will stay lost until you make sure you're connected to the people and the church that God's called you to this year. You will not accomplish the dream. That sheep was going to live in a state of confusion until the shepherd was willing to go and find him and bring him back into the fold. There are some this year that COVID has allowed, just life has allowed them to wander off. And they've gotten so far away from the flock that it's impossible for them to fulfill the dream that they have that God purposed them to be in. So number one, I say connect to the flock. Number two, he said this, there was a lost son. All right. That lost son was, um, had a certain place in that family. The way Jewish culture works age birth order means you have certain responsibilities and certain duties and, and your place in that house and all that he decided he didn't want his place in that house anymore he wanted to take what he thought was his and go do with what he wanted to the way he wanted to do it a lot of us want to take our salvation and live it out the way we want to and when we start living what God has destined us for the way we want to live it we get out of our place. We find ourselves lost living in a place that we never should have been. The last place a Jewish boy was supposed to be by law was eating with pigs. Should have had any, no communication or connection with it. And the Bible says he never really moved into sin. Simply says he was living loose. If you read the King James, it says he was living loose. He didn't move into sin. He just decided he was going to live his way. This year, if you're going to fulfill his dream... His purpose for your life, you're going to have to decide to live it His way. Get back in place. Get back in 
And this is what it says. It said when he came to himself, he said, you know, he done thought that he done given up his right, his, his birthright or even his place. Because he said, if I go back to the father's house, at least I can be a servant. Let me tell you something. If you don't know what your place is, start serving in the father's house. He said, I'll go back and serve. And he went back serving in the father's house. And it wasn't but just on his few steps that way. The father ran to him and put a ring signifying he was a son again. Giving him back a wealth and inheritance that he had already squandered and blown. You need to understand. This year, one of the tumblers in your lock is going to be you being in your place in the house of God. Next. Number three. It says there was a lost coin. A lost coin are people... That the coin was lost in the house. They have great value. You need to understand you have great value in the house. But because you've positioned yourself in the house where you can't be used, you're just in the house, there's no value to you. How much is a quarter worth if you don't spend it? None. None. Quarter's worth nothing. I've got a quarter in my drawer at my house. That if I don't ever take it out and use it, it's not worth anything. I'm just going to be honest with you. Paul said this. He said it in Corinthians. He says, spend me. Spend me. Your life was not meant to be saved. It was meant to be spent. You need to write that down. You need to be spent. If you're not positioning yourself in the house, you may be in here, but you're not positioning yourself for yourself to be used in any way, you're not going to accomplish. Let me tell you why. Because the dream that God gave you is the same dream that God gave Joseph. And it has to be connected to the purpose of the Father and connected to the harvest field that God is after. If you have not connected your dream to the harvest field, you will not reclaim that dream because you can't do it on your own. It's bigger than you. And this is what the principle is. You take any dream in your life and you connect it to the purpose of God and the harvest field, and there's nothing this year that the devil can do to try to stop it from coming about. Let me tell you this, all right? I, I grew up poor. I grew up very poor. But I had all these dreams. Let me, you say, I don't understand what dreams are, Cricket. I, uh, I, this is a dream of mine growing up. Man, we grew up very poor, and I always wanted to go snowboard. My whole life. Man, I would see shows. I, I just had this great desire to snowboard. But we were way too poor and we didn't live anywhere there was enough snow. But when I understood that that wasn't just a hobby I had in here. That was a desire that God had put in me. That was a dream. If I could figure out a way to connect it to the purpose of God. And connect it to the harvest field. That it wasn't no longer my dream. It was God's dream. And it would come about. Do you know I've been snow skiing or snowboarding probably 40 times in my life now? Do you know why I got to go? First time I realized that it would get kids to come to church. When I was a youth pastor, if I planned an annual snow skiing trip and I made the kids in our city that we lived in Florida, that most of them had never even seen snow, I made them come to church for six weeks to go on this trip with us. My youth group doubled in size for six weeks to go on that snow skiing trip and you know what I got to do I got to go snow skiing and we got to be such an annual thing that we got to our you go up to about 700 at one point simply because I had a dream that God had put on the inside of me to snow ski and it was my job to figure out how to connect it to the harvest field 
Your dream may be, man, I want my business to explode. Figure out how to connect it to the harvest field and the purposes of God. Your dream may be, I want to have this or that. I want to have a nice house. Figure out a way to connect it to the harvest field because your dream is not too big when it's connected to the purpose of God. Do you know what the purpose of God is? This is what Jesus said. He said, on this rock, I will build my church. On this rock, I will build my church. That tells me this. What does Jesus spend his time doing? Building his church. So if I want to connect anything that I dream about to the purposes of God, I connect them to the building of his church. And when I connect it to the building of his church, it's no longer my dream. He will begin to empower it to take place, even if the devil's trying to stop it. This year will be a year of recapturing dreams. But you're going to have to decide that I'm going to stay connected to the flock. I'm going to get back in my place. And I'm going to serve my way into sonhood. And then I am going to be spent for the dream of God. I mean, God, I'm going to be honest with you. How in the world do you see guys like Jesse and all these prosperity preachers having all this nice stuff? Because they don't own any of that without it being connected to the harvest food. You know why? Listen to their messages. They talk about it all. You ever heard a prosperity preacher? They tell you how big their house is. They tell you how nice car they because they figured out ways. I'm telling you, it's a principle. I don't care what your dreams and desires are. Connect it to the harvest field. Connect it to the purposes of God. But what happens is this: when you do that, it's no longer your dream. You have to give it to Him. Just like Abraham said, "I would love to cook you guys a dinner," but he didn't cook himself one. He was doing it completely for God. And when he did it completely for God, God at that point gave him a son that he could not produce on his own. This year will be a year of you taking back, getting back, restoring and redeeming. But you're going to have to fight for it. Rise to the occasion. And the way you fight is you say, God, this is what I have to offer. These are the desires I have on the inside of me. I'm going to connect it to your purpose and your kingdom. And I'm going to do what it needs to do for this to take place. And you watch the anointing of God following. I know people. I knew a kid that wanted a motorcycle and he couldn't afford it. He worked for me. Chip knows him. He was working for me at the time too. Griped every day about a motorcycle. I need a motorcycle. All right, I was like, man. Just figure out a way to connect it to the harvest field. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, you speak in youth. Start setting yourself up all over to speak in youth groups all over. Get youth pastors. Build relationships with youth pastors where you actually got something to say and they want you to come. And I said, God's going to have to give you a way to get there. And it wasn't two weeks, was it, Chip? Blake was his name. He would walk in one day. You won't believe it. Yesterday, I got booked to speak at Bearden First Assembly. And this morning, somebody gave me a Harley Davidson motorcycle. Y'all can call me crazy if you want to. The reason why your dreams aren't fulfilled is because you're trying to keep your dream and you're trying to fulfill it. Or you're asking God to fulfill your dream for you. Man, you give your dream to God. You say, God, this is my dream. Let me do this for you so that you get all the glory. You get all the praise. Because let me know you something. This is not going to be an easy year. Every prophetic word I've heard, and I've listened to about 50 this year, even the prosperity guys, this is what got me. Jerry Farwell, big prosperity guy, that's what he said. He said that this is going to be a year of the open hand of the Lord, full of prosperity, in the midst of chaos and uh, uh, chaos and uh, confusion. He said it's going to be a year of chaos and confusion, but you know, you that are, that are right with the Lord, you don't got to worry, his hand's going to be up. It's going to be a tough year for the world. 
But it's also going to be a year that those that understand that God has put a dream, a purpose, a destiny on their life, and they decide to stand up and take it. You take the keys of the kingdom. You decide you're not going to be a lost sheep. You're not going to be a lost son. And you're not going to be a lost coin. And you put those keys into the lock. You're going to turn it. And the door to your dream is open. Let me read two scriptures to you and I'm going to close. Okay? This is your word. It's what the Lord told me. For the last two years, many of us have felt just like this. Exodus 13, 18. It says, So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. It's weird here. God, one translation says, took them the long way around. There was an easy way to go. But it says, God took them the long way around. What you've went through over the last two years, I'm telling you, was the hand of God leading you through the long way around. That sounds like a good God, doesn't it? But he had to do it this way. Do you know why? Because while we talked about being free from the past, these guys had slave mentality still on the inside of them, even though God had set them free. And when God had set them free, they moved into where God's promises was for them, but they could not handle them because they still had the stuff on the inside of them that they had been through. So it had to take them the long way around to give them time to deal with it. And this is the sad part. Most of them did not let God deal with it, so they died in that mess. Only two were willing to let go of what they'd been through, let God set them free and deliver them on the inside. And this is what it said. They had a more excellent spirit. And it said this, Caleb, when they stepped into the promised land, they stepped in fighting for what God gave them. Caleb went to the highest mountain and took it. And it says Joshua went to the farthest border and took it. And God gave them everywhere their foot landed. But we read this like, God, why are you taking so long? Why aren't you doing this for me? Why? Because, again, you're going to have to get set free from what you've been through this year. You're going to have to get the dream that God has for you, not that you have for yourself. It's got to be for God. And then this is what it said. It says, the rest say, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of Egypt. They're saved. They got saved. They got set out of later, but they had to get this changed. But then that's what most of us have been through for the last two years. Now, let me tell you the prophetic word for this year. For those that understand, it's time to stand up. Time to get up, get out, get going release and be set free from what you've been through and get a dream begin to see what God sees for your life and you bring your desires to God and say you take the glory I'll do it your way Amos chapter 9 verse 13 says behold the days are coming everybody say the days are coming now let me go to a scripture I didn't go in first uh, service with and let me tell you how this is going to happen the way this is going to happen is um, Jesus said this. Jesus said this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because. Everybody say the word because. You know the most important word in this scripture is the because. We want God to anoint us. We want the Spirit of the Lord to come on us and move for us. But we don't have a because. We're not doing it for Him. We're doing it for us. We want our desires met and our dreams fulfilled. But it says there's a because to Jesus. But it said this. It says this. It says, because. 
He's anointed. You got that? Fear Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty of the captives and recover the sight to the blind, to set the liberty to those who are oppressed. Do you realize that's all right? Jim, I ain't worried about it. Thank you, I'm done. It said this. There wasn't one single thing God anointed Jesus to do for Himself. It was everything there was for God to use Him for other people. Do you want to know what your purpose is? It ain't got nothing to do with you. Apple trees' purpose is to grow apples. They never eat them. Orange trees grow oranges. They never eat them. Your job, your dream is for the kingdom of God. Even if you get nothing out of it. Abraham said, I want to do this for you, Lord. And God said, I'm going to give you a son. And I'm not going to give you a son for you. I'm giving you because I'm going to make sure you go. he's not for you. Because I'm going to ask you to kill him later. And Abraham was willing to say, I'm going to give you a son. Because I need to make a great nation. And I need to create a people that the son of God can come through. It was all for him. Joseph's dream got him in trouble. Until he realized that dream wasn't about him. It was for him to save his brothers. And the minute he realized, he said this, all of it, God allowed all this to happen so that many could be saved. Not so I could become the most second most powerful. If you're going to recapture the dream, you've got to realize why you were given the dream. It was for the kingdom of God. And you have to do it. And this is what I said. It said that, 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 but pull that scripture back up real quick, Mallory. You've got to see when this is going to happen. Because why? Why did Jesus put this in here? Because I believe it's for very day today. He said this. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is your year. This is the year that God has accepted for you to thrive in. For you to go forward in. This is the acceptable year of the Lord for you to possess what God has for you. Now let me tell you how. Now I need to tell you how he's going to do it. If you'll put the key in the lock. And let every tumbler land where it's supposed to. Amos chapter 9 verse 3. It says, Behold, the days are coming. That's these, I, I'm telling you, I feel as strong as I do. The next 364 days, we've already missed one yesterday, but 364 days, these are the days coming. It says this, saith the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the tender of grapes, him who sows seed, the mountain shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. Let me tell you what that says. The scripture before, because people wasn't willing to let go of what their past and reach toward the dream that God had for them, they'd go a long way around. Some of them didn't make it. But this is what this one says. That was God slowed things down in their life. It was a season of slowing. The enemy has tried to bring things against a lot of us, and we went through a season of slowing. That's what the last two you, I, almost everybody I talked to is like, man, I would have thought it would have already happened by now. I feel like I've just been held back. It seems like everything's going, I can't go forward. I can't. We've been in a season of slowing. 2020-22 is an accelerated season of promise. The scripture here says this, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, meaning the guy that's supposed to work in the field first is not even supposed to be there when the guy comes in and reaps. But the season is so accelerated that the first guy overtakes the second guy. It's acceleration. Then he said this, said the wine presser, the guy that steps on grapes, over, overturned, overthrows, moves in so fast, accelerates so quick that he steps on the guy that was planting. Meaning the minute the seed was put in the ground, 
they were squishing it. There wasn't no wait time to get the wine. And there was so much, it said here, that the mountains started dripping of the sweet wine. This is the word of the Lord. Your dream this year that you've given up on, lost, and laid to the side is going to be able to be recaptured. It's not going to be if you're sitting on the side. You're going to have to rise up and take and fight for the promise that God's given you. Fight the doubt. Fight the devil. Fight the word. You run out every thing. You keep hold to the promise and you keep walking toward it. And this year is going to be an accelerated year of promise. You're going to go to do the work and the promise is going to overtake you. You're going to go to do the work and the harvest is going to overtake you. You're not going to do the work and have to wait on the harvest like in normal seasons. This will be a season you will do the work and the harvest will overtake you. This is your year. This is the year that you will recapture everything that you've lost. You receive it? I want to pray real quick. This is what I'm going to ask. That the word that I felt the Lord said, I know I went long, but I won't preach again for a month, all right? felt the Lord say this. First of all, you got to start dreaming this year. you got to start dreaming, dreaming, dreaming. You get your book, you get in the presence of the Lord, and you pray dream. You start telling the Lord what you want to do for Him until it unfails into a purpose that you can commit your life to. And then, when you see it, you can be it. So you stand up and you start walking it out. And you start living it out. Not for you. Not your way. Not you connect yourself. Stay connected to the flock. You get in your place. Put yourself under spiritual authority. Allow the father to be the father and you to be a son. And you serve your way back into the place that maybe you walked away from. And then you make sure that the value that God's put in you has been spent in the house. And you're going to get overrun and overaccelerated with the promises. You'll work. He'll do it. You'll work. He'll do it. Father God, I ask you to imprint this word right now. Father God, I know the enemy has tried to make so many people discouraged and so many people so distraught thinking, God, that they can never make it happen and maybe their dreams will never come true and maybe this wasn't from the Lord. But God, I ask you right now to resurrect and reawaken dreams in each person right now in the name of you. They begin to see your light, see your word. Just like in Genesis, in the midst of their darkness, your word starts shining forth light right now into their heart. They see hope. They see that there's purpose. And right now, God, I ask you to release a spirit inside of them, just like Joshua and Caleb, that will rise up inside and say, I can and I will. Yes to what you've called me to. Not for me, but for you. Not my will, your will. Not for my glory, for your glory. I thank you, Father God, that you're releasing the prophetic spirit to war with into our year over the next 365, 344 days of this year that every one of these days will be the acceptable year of the Lord. You will look and you will bless. And the promises of the Lord will begin to overtake every work that they put their hand to do right now in the mighty name of Jesus. If you receive it, take hold of it and tell the Lord, yes, use me, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hey, guys, I love you. I'm sorry I'm long. We're about to take a minute and we're going to um, we'll dismiss those that need to go and stay. But Wade and Misty are about to ready to renew their vows. And, and this is a miracle in the working. And so as they take the place, Wade, I'm going to let you, those that got to go, we understand you go. But Wade, there are a lot of those that want to hear, so you wanted to share testimony as, as Misty and...